2: It's about culture now. It's like you're thumbing your nose at the process. Part of politics and part of sports and part of gaming. And it's not just the future of money anymore.
0: As they push the conversation further with their own criticisms and reactions
3: to the latest Bitcoin and crypto news from around the world. It believes crypto is bad and it wants it out.
2: I'm even old enough to remember when Microsoft was a kind of cool company.
1: Ben, you're old enough to remember when telegrams came over a wire under the sea.
0: <laughs> and just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice.
2: Hello and welcome to Opinionated, a podcast from the Coindesk Podcast Network. My name is Ben Shalim, Features Editor here at Coindesk. Joining me today is Danny Nelson. Hi, Danny. Hello, hello. And Anna Bedakova. Hi, Anna. Hey, guys. So we have a new event at Coindesk coming up in New York City, and it is the Investing in Digital Enterprises and Assets Summit. Ideas for short, which is taking place on the October 18th and October the 19th, basically bringing together a whole bunch of really exciting entrepreneurs and startups with investors who might invest in those startups. And it's basically a matchmaking event that we're very excited about. And we're just going to talk about one category of investment that is on show there, which is culture and entertainment. For a long time, crypto was largely about the technology of money. And this is more about like how crypto in the last year, particularly with NFTs, has seeped into culture and cultural conversation and also now in cultural investments. What is your first kind of take on this, Danny? We're going to talk about a particular story that was put out by one of our very best writers, Jeff Wilzer, which is basically a horizon scanning exercise looking at near term, future term investments in
1: the culture and entertainment space. What is your immediate feedback on that, Danny? Yeah. I mean, with the culture and crypto, there are really three letters that we all have to remember. NFTs, that's really been the trend that's forced crypto and culture to combine. As soon as you can bring non-fungible tokens to music and clubs and art and anything else you can think of, you have a way of tokenizing aspects of a culture and sharing it with people. And you could take that in a million different ways. And whether that actually is of value to people, you know, we've seen People sell one of his pieces of digital artwork for, I think, $69 million. We've also seen LinksDAO, a golf club that I'm a part of. They're raising money from crypto believers so they can buy a golf course. There are a whole range of ways you can take crypto and culture. And, you know, in the short term, we've seen the bottom fallout of the crypto markets broadly. But in little pockets of this world, there are still projects that are chugging along, thinking that they have the next big thing.
2: Interesting. So Anna, I mean, one of the theses of this argument Jeff Wilson puts forth here is that people are passionate about culture and sports and, you know, recreation generally, in a way that they're not necessarily passionate about technology, at least in the kind of mainstream. Do you think that's a good way to think about investing in this space, investing in people's passions?
3: Well, First of all, I must say that I'm quite impressed that Danny is a member of a golf club. (laughs) I'm proud to be in such a respectable company. (laughs) Seriously, what I thought reading this piece and what you mentioned that people care about fun, people don't care about technology, and that's why these digital art NFT space became attractive for people who, you know, didn't care about crypto before. But I think it seems to me and kind of slightly deceptive, it's a slightly deceptive approach that you can kind of spare yourself of the technology considerations. Because there's so much happening under the hood of these cool, fun, beautiful things. Take the simple example. If you buy digital art, right? Like just a digital picture that is an NFT, where that picture is stored. Is it stored on a centralized server that can go down? You have that NFT, but there is no picture it corresponds to anymore. Or like if you invest in a DAO, like what exactly this DAO owes you as a member? And what happens, you know, if it doesn't go through with its promises? So I think that even though on the surface, it seems just, you know, like fun and games, people who are like really interested in investing that and you want that to bring you money or at least keep your money safe, you got to care about technology.
2: Interesting. So, I mean, you're an expert on DAOs, Danny. I mean, uh, can you invest in a DAO without understanding the governance structures of DAOs? Is that a dangerous thing?
1: Well, uh, first off, I'm definitely not an expert in DAOs. But, but you have written about DAOs quite a bit. Delusional you are. Um, delusional <laughs> I am, too. I have written about them. I have had the displeasure of writing about them. I think that crypto showed time and again that you don't have to understand a thing to throw your money at it. So that, that much is clear. It, it's certainly a bad idea to not do your research before you put the money in. Then again, sometimes this is not investment advice, I will say right here, but sometimes I have seen that people make the most money when they do very stupid things. If they overthink it, they miss out on the opportunity, and because they thought, oh, well, this won't work because of that, and poof, it's gone. But then you see other ideas that people consider to be promising or think, oh, well, there's a big name behind it, and they jump in, maybe unwisely. Just for example, this week, CNN announced that it was going to be closing its Vault project. Vault was this effort to take the biggest news clips of the era, whether that's the invasion of Afghanistan or I don't know, any other types of things. There have been several, haven't there? Yeah, there have been several. That's why they're non-fungible, right? Or I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, the idea was to take these moments from history, turn them into NFTs, these headlines, sell them to the public, the public could then sell them on the marketplace, yada, yada, yada. You know the drill, thousands of dollars worth of these are sold. Now CNN, which has been going through a pretty massive restructuring and has announced that they're going to abandon their project. The art, as far as I can understand it, will continue to exist on a server so people will be able to see it. But the infrastructure around it, the backing of the promoter, that's going to be gone. And that leaves a lot of people thinking, wow, I invested in this little piece of history and culture, and the company that I was trusting it with is now leaving me by the wayside.
3: So what does it mean? They, they just cannot trade those NFTs anymore? They can just keep them? Or what, what changes?
1: So it appears that they'll be able to look at the NFTs in their wallets, and CNN appears to have rushed this announcement, so they're trying to now scramble amid the backlash to walk back what they can. But CNN is going to be doing some sort of distribution that will give token holders some amount of flow tokens, which is funny because if they are US users, they might not be able to get flow tokens. So there are just all these considerations about global borders. So at least I can still see my photographs
2: of Afghanistan in my wallet. yeah. Yeah, right.
3: Wait, 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 wait. They were using tokens that are not cleared for U.S. investors?
1: So here's the quote. The distribution will be either flow tokens or stable coins. End quote. So maybe they're going to give the US users stable coins, but yes, at least for some of the users of this ill-fated project, they may be slated to receive tokens that are not eligible for US users, which is its own kind of funny.
2: A flow token's not available to US users, isn't it, an American project? They certainly weren't available
1: the last time I checked. I guess it started in Canada.
3: But this is exactly what I'm talking about. Although what people can do now with their NFTs, with their CNN NFTs, like, okay, I bought it and it, it's in my MetaMask. Well, what now? Like, can I sell it?
1: You can look at it.
3: And, and that's all?
1: Well, you can look at it again. In fact, you could even show it to us <laughs> and we can look at it too.
3: you right. But I cannot do any trading with it, right?
1: I can screenshot it. I can screenshot it and show that to other people as well.
3: Okay. That's lame. Like yeah, you cannot You cannot even speculate on that, right? What's the point? Like a lot of people invested in this space because they want, you know, the speculative values and they wanted this digital art to go in price and then resell it.
1: Yeah.
2: Hey guys, you want to play a game?
3: (laughs) Sounds fun.
2: Yeah, let's play a game.
1: (laughs) All right, let's play a game and it's called, is this investment a good idea game? Uh, I will play this game, but once again, we must say if it is a good investment, it's not investment advice. So let's play.
2: Gaming, what do you think about that? Three billion gamers out there in the
1: world. That should be a popular use case for Web3. What do you think, Danny? Crap. I don't like it. Here's why. I've yet to see a crypto game that really is a good game that also really needs its Web3 angle. And until that exists, it's just some weird layer that makes things more complicated.
3: I disagree. I completely disagree. I think, you know, of all the NFT space, Gaming is the only part that actually makes sense.
1: Okay, but what? Am I going to buy my, my AK-47 on Call of Duty and then I'm going to transfer yeah. it to Fortnite because it's an NFT?
3: Yeah, why not?
1: Well, because they're different gaming studios.
3: Well, I mean, yeah, but like it will make sense in the future where there will be a common ecosystem for these kind of blockchain games. Of course, you, you need a hell of a lot of you know, rails and infrastructure for that. But if that exists, you know, in gaming, that would make a lot of sense because people love spending money on fancy gaming equipment and they will keep doing that.
2: I think I'm on the fence about that. I think I'm going to find some use cases. And with all those billions of users, surely there'll be some money to make. And it's interesting in this article that Arca, which is a major VC, has put 70% of its portfolio into gaming projects. And one of the people there said that they were currently tracking 1,000 games in development. So um, they must be onto something.
1: I don't know. I hear that the other 30% was in Terra. So I don't, wouldn't necessarily believe <laughs> that the 70%'s in a. Oh,
2: I don't know. If, uh, that, that, you heard it here first. Ethereum
1: name service, what do you think about that? I'll take that first. As the owner of DannyNelson.eth, I mean, look, it's, it's kind of cool, I guess. It definitely makes it easier to share my Ethereum wallet address. I guess it's sort of almost like a cultural emblem, right? People snap up these ENS names like their URLs on the internet, yeah. just as a vanity plate on your car. I'm about it. I don't think it's going to revolutionize the world, but it's my little piece of crypto culture and I like it. It makes it easier to remember your name, I guess, as well. Absolutely. I usually forget my name, so that's
2: good to know. (laughs) Anna, are you a member of this ENS service?
3: No, I'm not. I think it will be developing and expanding because, you know, people like to slap their names on things. And this is a pretty legitimate case for that. I just don't, I'm not sure it can be considered like some kind of investment because what would we invest in? Buy a bunch of domain names and resell them?
2: Right. Okay, the concept of the creator economy, do we think that's a good one or not? I mean, I guess what this means is that instead of just having the rights to something, to play something, to watch something, you actually own something on the internet. That's what it means. You can create something and own it and sell it. Do you think that's a good use case?
3: Well, actually, that was one of the interesting parts in this article, that you can become a curator, you know, like an arts curator, like you would be in a museum. Or you can like own a digital share of a music label, you know, like virtual music label, NFT music label, whatever. That sounds fun for me. I don't know whether this model can bring actual money, right? But I just think that's a very interesting way of thinking about this digital art scene. And that is something I'm curious to see developing
1: yeah I think it might be actually the most promising use case for all these different ideas that we're talking about, empowering people, getting them into financial services without involving the traditional financial intermediaries. There are all these creators out there right now on TikTok, on Instagram, on Etsy for actually creating goods, all these different places where they're they're at the whims of these platforms that are taking fees and having rules and all these things. and if done right, crypto. Promises to offer an alternative. If it's able to do it right on a broad scale, we haven't seen that yet, but I think that that's the single largest and most impactful spot for crypto to make a difference in the cultural scene. All
2: right, let's move on a little bit. What about self sovereign identity? This is the idea of owning one's own ID online rather than giving up that right to an intermediary like
1: Facebook or, or Google. Do you think that's a good growing idea in the cultural space? It's too academic. That's this problem. I don't understand it. I don't think anyone understands it, because if I don't understand it, then no one does. But self-sovereign identity, it's a really important idea. I wouldn't necessarily agree that it's part of the culture, but maybe it is. I don't know. Hannah, what do you think?
3: Well, actually, I agree that it's probably the most complicated part of all that. You can look at it as a cultural thing if we think that Digital identity is something that you can shape yourself, you know, not like just a copy of your passport in the metaverse, but something that like an avatar in a game, you know, something that you create yourself. And then it just works as your avatar in the metaverse once and for all. You know, wherever you go, you're your digital self, right? And that thing also has some features attached to it. Like, you know, you, you have your own credit score in the metaverse that is attached to your character, not to your, you know, like social security number, or like you have a certain history, you have a reputation that is attached to that digital identity in that digital world. But that is just, you know, getting so futuristic. And technically complex, that I'm not sure we are coming any closer to that in the you know three years to come at least, or maybe maybe a decade. I don't know.
1: Let me uh, provide a counterpoint to all this uh, on the topic of the metaverse and culture. Right now, Facebook slash Meta's Horizon Worlds is by far the biggest metaverse platform with 300,000 regular users. That completely dwarfs any crypto contender for the metaverse is also a much better funded, much more well thought out, you know, say what you will about meta, but this metaverse that they're creating is something that's gaining traction with a small group of people. And I see no reason why Facebook slash WhatsApp slash Instagram slash meta's own idea of an identity, which Facebook will obviously control, won't win out over the crypto self-sovereign ID. Isn't that completely antithetical to everything we believe in and and write about here at Coindesk? Well, I I mean, I think it's the reality.
3: Why is this a counterpoint to what I said?
1: (laughs) Well, I think that crypto is losing. I think it's losing and I don't know how it's going to win. If the centralized option is already so far ahead and so well developed, what will shake people so much that they will think we really need to go this other way if they haven't already? I'm not
2: sure if I agree with this or not, but the argument against that is that open systems win eventually. It's a bit like uh, you know communism versus capitalism. You know, capitalism wins because you have more people investing and giving their time and their energy and their creativity into this open system whereby they can all participate. And that should be a more productive system over time than a closed system, which, which is sort of directed from the top, like a planned economy.
3: So Ben, you're basically saying matter is communism.
2: Yeah, basically. It's a planned economy, isn't it?
3: Well, I mean, I agree that, of course, centralized system will probably always or like for a long time from now be smoother than decentralized ones. But, you know, there is a reason that there is a fiat economy. And of course, it's bigger than the crypto economy. But there are reasons people use the latter. So we can imagine the world where there will be a centralized metaverse by meta, you know, where everything is controlled by Facebook. And then, you know, somewhere in the corner of that world will be a decentralized metaverse.
1: Here's a question for you. Yeah. So, one of the things that Meta is doing right now is participating, I believe, in some open standards conversations with lots of different companies to create rules and regulations, not for like the business of the metaverse, but the tech specs of the metaverse. To the idea being, well, if we're going to create this public commons in the internet, so to speak, we want to have a standard that everyone can follow to make everything interoperable. Is that something that crypto projects should? attempt to engage in or should crypto projects instead be creating their own completely alternate universe which has its own standards but doesn't play nice with the big dogs yeah i mean you can't
2: ignore facebook but hopefully you can co-opt facebook in order to come around to your point of view and have a more open system so maybe that's the opportunity
3: i'm not sure about that (laughs) I'm not sure you can co-opt Facebook. There is much more possibility Facebook will co-opt you.
2: Well, you can't ignore them. You either have to get with them or or get columped by them.
3: Right. but, But then again, it doesn't mean people will have to choose one or the other. They can participate in both, right? Like I can use US dollars, I can use Bitcoin. These are two parallel systems, two kind of parallel economies in which I participate when I choose to. So and again, I just think it's extremely like futuristic and far away in the future where we will have you know, actual functioning metaverses, one or several, whatever. But I, I think there is always a little room for contrarians that just want to do their own thing.
2: Right. All right, let's uh, move on. The article that we're talking about is Jeff Wills' look at the future of culture and entertainment investing, and it's on coindesk.com as we speak. And he, at the end of the article, looks at the future of this space, particularly three to five years out. And he explores some other interesting concepts, uh, one of which is something called MetaFi, which is the idea that when you combine NFTs, assets that are wrapped up in NFTs, with the world of DeFi, you have this new form of finance, which is basically finance built upon cultural assets. So uh, what do you think about the concept of MetaFi, Danny? creating value on top of cultural assets? Well, like you can stake your NFT and then get a loan from somebody. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're already seeing bits of that, right? I think even some of the big banks have allowed borrowers and lenders to stake NFTs as collateral. You can quickly get into the problem of liquidity. These things might actually, if they become big, pose a big problem to the normal functioning of markets because if everyone's defaulting on their loans and you can't get the money out because it's an NFT that no one wants to buy, well, it's non-fungible. So mm, I think I'm actually not so bullish on using culture as a financial instrument in that respect. I think that it's important that culture remains a little separate, not completely separate, but a little bit from finance because if you mingle up the two, then I think you run the risk of corrupting culture. Not so much corrupting finance, but corrupting culture. Because
2: implicit in a lot of these concepts is the idea that we're basically going to import the marketplace, we're going to import finance into more areas of life. So instead of something like Fortnite being a separate world from your banking relationship, you might be able to take the swords and the armor that you've won in Fortnite and basically take them to the bank and they would be able to monetize those assets for you. It wouldn't be something that would just stay within the game.
3: Yeah, like what I understand from the story, Metafy is kind of like one big market for all things, digital art, digital gaming, NFTs and whatnot. Just this like giant interoperable space where everything can be traded against everything and maybe you can take a loan collateralized by your NFT on a decentralized lending marketplace and whatnot. Because for me, that's an open question still whether the NFT space is capable of creating sustainable value, not just a s- speculative thing.
1: Well, we've seen a lot of unsustainable value. We've, there were headlines this week about Logan Paul, noted internet person, Logan Paul, had bought Logan an NFT Paul. yeah, for millions of dollars that is now worth, some people say $10. It's definitely worth more than that. I would, if it was Logan Paul's NFT, I'd buy it for at least 20 Like, just to be clear. He's a pretty big internet person. I'd buy it for 20 But these things have no stable value. They go all over the place, whether it's in crypto-denominated or fiat-denominated. So that's you know, just a roller coaster itself.
3: That's what I'm talking about.
1: So another prediction in the piece is that
2: we are currently in the eBay era of NFT marketplaces and that we're going to see a lot more specialization going forward. It won't just be a big kind of open sea like universe. We will have NFT marketplaces for different uh, activities, whether that's cooking or climbing or cuisine. What do you think about the specialization in NFTs?
1: What do we think? Mm, nope, that's not happening. I think that we're going to continue to see the big guys persist. We don't have enough people yet to really branch off into different communities. So if you have a lot more people that get engaged, then sure, I'll buy that we'll see this compartmentalization. If you have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of cooking NFT enthusiasts, whatever that means. I think it means recipes. Okay, yeah, but why would you need an NFT as a recipe? I don't know. Maybe, look, I'm, if I did know, I wouldn't be on this podcast, right? I'd be making my NFT recipes and making a big buck.
2: Well, I think, cause wait, 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 wait a sec. I mean, I think you would have an NFT for a recipe because your grandmother came up with a beautiful recipe for Bolognese and you don't want everyone using it without giving you some credit for it. So you would make an NFT out of your recipe for your grandmother's Bolognese and uh, that way you could track it and stop people just using
1: that recipe without acknowledging you. Or I could just keep them, the, my grandmother's recipes, which I do have, in the 3 by 5 index card box that they already are in, and then no one can get to them. And I won't <laughs> lose them like I will the NFT. But there might be a fire in your home or something, and then you would lose it. Ugh, I, I guess.
3: Or a boating accident.
1: There might be a boating accident in my home. That's a good point. If a boat crashes into my home, which, you know, with global warming, which is coming. Absolutely possible. Everyone should remember, it is possible. You might be cooking a big vat of bolognese one night and it might all fall over the recipe
2: container that you have there and all the recipes would be ruined. Sounds delicious. A tragedy. Oh, that would be
3: a
1: tragedy. That's a good point.
3: No, but we're speaking about different marketplaces, right? And I agree with Danny that too many marketplaces, you know, why do you need that?
1: All right. So
2: final thoughts, guys. Are you bullish on the future of culture and entertainment? And should people be
1: reading this article about that very topic here? Well, people should absolutely be reading the article. I don't think I'm at the most bullish person on crypto and culture. I think that these lanes should stay separate, at least for the time being.
3: So people should absolutely read everything on CoinDesk and especially all the content of the Ideas Week. But I personally am not that bullish on the whole NFT space. But I'm curious to see where it goes.
1: We need some defense of NFT culture here, Ben, come on, make that case for us.
2: (laughs) Well, I definitely, I mean, having been in crypto for a little while now, probably seven, eight years, it has been really fun to see the maturing of this industry beyond just being a financial technology to being a cultural technology. And uh, to see, you know, the worlds of sports and art and entertainment, pop culture come in 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 the last year has been great. I do think there's been a lot of kind of flatulence around whether these things will actually make money. But having said that, I think when you bring an audience and when you bring a powerful technology, people will work out ways eventually. And it might be that certain metaverses at the moment only have, you know, 36, 38, 38, 38 active. Uh, We won't actually mention the metaverse that we're talking about, but it's a well-known metaverse brand uh, only seems to have 38 active users at the moment. But that's not to say that the, the idea of a 3D internet isn't absolutely viable going forward. And I think someone will make some money out of it eventually. I mean, it wasn't so long ago that people were talking about Facebook as this uh, well-trafficked platform that the company itself couldn't make money from. And look where we are today with Facebook making still billions and billions of dollars every quarter because they have found a way or bit an evil way. But they have found a way to, to make money from it. And I think we will see companies uh, find you know, ingenious and probably evil ways to make money from these platforms as well.
3: Oh my God, that sounds formidable. <laughs> sounds kind of scary.
1: <laughs> I'm going to go buy more culture NFTs right now after that inspiring speech. Okay. With my DannyNelson.eth ENS. Good, good. Well, uh, you heard it here first,
2: everybody. So check out our continuing coverage of Ideas Week and the Ideas Conference, where we talk about all the investments that you can make in the culture and entertainment space, plus all the other spaces of this wonderful, weird world of crypto that we are so fascinated about. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.
1: Bye. Bye. And now, a teaser from Coindesk's newest
0: podcast, Women Who Web 3. Welcome to Coindesk's Women Who Web3 podcast, your weekly podcast celebrating women supporting women, investing in women, and bridging the gender gap in wealth through Web3. Each week, we'll be learning from powerful women, sharing their insights on topics like creating belonging and inclusivity in the digital spaces, the metaverse, building prosperous Web3 projects, investing in cryptocurrencies, and building wealth. And we have how to's from founders and builders who have been there and done that healing sessions to give you the power to overcome imposter syndrome and everything you need to level up in your crypto journey. At the end of each podcast, stick around for some Zen with a relaxing meditation to center you after absorbing all the stories and the knowledge. I'm your host Cams, and I'm on a mission to empower women across the globe to unlock the unlimited potential and earning power inside themselves through Web3. Whether you're just crypto curious or a crypto connoisseur. This podcast is for you. Let's get it. You've been listening to Opinionated with Ben Schiller, Anna Barakova, and Danny Nelson. This episode has been produced and edited by Eleanor Paul with announcements by Michelle Musso. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, Opinionated, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.